what's up, everybody? It's a Fight Talk podcast, deep dive edition. Well, as much deep dive as we can get into this banger of a card we're coming off of. UFC 268 in the books. It met and exceeded all the expectations we had coming in on Fight Week. John Mosley here, as always, with the man himself, Stephen Jensen. Uh, great card, man. Not a not a ton of wrestling for me this weekend. Um, I got to chill a little bit with the boys, but uh, solid, uh, solid fight card and, and just a great weekend overall, bro. Hell yeah. This was probably the best UFC pay-per-view of the year. Yep. Um, can't wait to talk about it. If anyone wants to see the live reactions that I had for the co-main and main event of the show, you can check those out over on the Fightful YouTube channel. Myself, Doug Bateman, Rob Wilkins, and Sean Ross Sapp watched the Nami Yunus and Wiley Zhang and the Usman and Covington fight. Uh, so once again, y'all can watch the, the replay of Fightful Fight Night at youtube.com slash Fightful. But uh, yeah, man, happy to be here and talking some MMA because this show was awesome. UFC 268 ended up with a... Uh, oh, I want to check the total gate, uh, 9.8 million, 20,000 plus in Madison Square Garden for this card that was headlined by a welterweight scrap for that welterweight championship. Once again, Kamaru Usman comes out on top over Colby Covington, this time by decision, 4847, 4847, 49-46. Uh, solid win for Kamaru. I know... You probably thought the same thing I did. Was it the second or third round that it looked like Usman was getting close to, to finishing Colby, uh, but he made it to the uh, to the decision circle? Yeah, it was the second round where Usman dropped Colby. Um, I think he dropped him twice. Colby yeah. got up quickly, but like he did drop him. And this was a tough one to score. Like when I was watching it live, on like you know, looking at the grand scheme of things, Usman uh, more more likely than not deserved the victory. Like, and I would have, it would have kind of sucked if like Colby would have won the title in a fight that close because it would have been so controversial. But like, you know, and I, so I'm, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to 10-8 rounds. Like, I honestly thought that uh, round two of Gaethje versus Chandler could have been 10-8 for Gaethje. Uh, I thought that round two of Usman versus Covington could have been 10-8 for Usman, but the judges didn't agree. They they gave out 10 uh, 10-9s. But the reason that I bring that up is because when I watched this fight live, I I thought there was a chance that we could have gotten a draw. And the reason is because I thought Usman won round one. I thought Usman won round two, 10-8, but I think Colby has, there's a case for Colby winning rounds three, four, and five. So it's like, but they were very close rounds that like they could go either way. Like you could give Usman pretty much every round of the fight. Also, there was one round, I think it was, it was either the third or the fifth. One of the, one of the rounds was like pretty clearly uh, Colby. I just can't remember which one, but and the, the point is like, I have no issue at all with the, with the decision here. Like Usman deserved the win. He looked great. He's the best welterweight in the world right now. Colby's the second best welterweight in the world right now. Uh, Kamzat Chameyev is, like, he is the real dark horse of the division. Like, he might be better than all these guys. We just haven't seen him at, at like, the next level of competition yet. But that's going to be happening very soon. Um, but 
like I said, I mean, this the hats off to Colby. Like honestly, I mean, people can say what he what they want to about his personality and the way that he he tries to hype up fights and all the cringiness and the MAGA stuff and all. Like I totally understand how unlikable Colby Covington is to most people, but you gotta respect him as a fighter. Like he went toe to toe with the best welterweight in the world. This is the second time they fought, made it all the way to the decision, and once again arguably did enough in my opinion to maybe even warrant a draw i mean like that's how close the fight was so you know but this was an awesome this was an awesome fight like this is and we saw a little more grappling than what we saw in the first fight but usman's wrestling is so damn good that colby like couldn't take him down i mean that so usman's he's a beast and he's the best welterweight in the world even though like i said i thought this fight was really close usman's the man and colby I think Colby looked really, really good in defeat in this one. I, I could not agree more. I absolutely gave it to Kamaru. Uh, I, I think he should still be champion today. Uh, but I said out loud at the end of that, like you're saying, after the end of that second round, uh, I said out loud, you know, Colby may not make it to the fourth. This, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this this is it, maybe. And not only does he make it through the those next three rounds, but – I remember thinking, I think it was the fourth round. I remember thinking like, God, I could almost argue that we're even going to the fifth round. Like, yeah, honestly. Yeah. And that's, and that's a big thing with like the scoring, which is a whole other, we've talked about it plenty over like, you know, the months and whenever, but like, Mm -hmm. it's so shitty that in a sport like MMA, that's so like, there's such stakes involved. Like, the amount of money you make versus like wh- whether you win or lose and like the damage of course that your body can take and all the risk and everything involved in fighting that there isn't a more clear cut sc- a clear cut scoring system because like i said i thought round 2 should have been 10-8 for usman but none of those judges agree with me but it's like mm-hmm. a lot of people online were like damn that could have been a 10-8 but it's like it's so it's like for a 10 8, it's like you got to damn near kill somebody. When in reality, that's the whole point of a 10 must, a 10 point must system is like the winner gets 10. And then, and of course, they can lose points for like fouls or whatever. But like in general, the winner of the round is going to get 10. And 10 9 rounds are not all going to be the same. Like that's why you should be no. using eights and sevens and stuff when you need to, because <clears throat> for someone to win, for someone to win a fight, like 10 8 or 10 9 9 10 10 9 or whatever and like a split decision or, or, or you know whatever however you look at it the fact is a lot of these fights aren't actually as close as what the scoring says because like round one fighter a might like really kick some ass but it's still 10 9 then fighter b barely wins round two but it, they're scored even like now I, we're I, even yeah yeah and i don't i don't like i don't like that it can still be that that just kind of like a inconsistent or or however i don't know what the right word is but it's just one of those things where like i wish everyone was on the same page of how this was scored because like i said i thought it was a pretty you you dropped the dude twice in one round like what else do you need to do to get more than a a point advantage on somebody like he dropped him twice so um and in boxing you lose a point immediately when you get dropped obviously mma that's good they have to have a different scoring it's like it's like it's so obvious they have to have a different scoring system than boxing but they use the same scoring system <laughs> so. um no i i i couldn't agree. i mean it, it's always i mean that's the joke now like that's as an mma fan you know 
what we always say. There's always that one judge, and it's it's it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be. Um, we we were going to talk about that in a minute. The uh, the scoring on our co-main event. We'll get into that in a second. But um, yeah, we both agree. Close. Uh, we we I expected even more maybe wrestling than what we got. It's still a lot of hands thrown. Uh, I, I thought Colby definitely. I mean, I hadn't thought it was. I, I hadn't had the thought that it could be a draw. I very much was thinking. You know, Kamaru's going to squeeze this one out because of that. He dropped him, and because of just he, – he was there, though I do agree, in the later rounds, in the championship rounds, you know, Colby was still there. So uh, very happy with this fight, how it turned out, as close as it was. Because of how close it was, you know, watching it, uh, obviously Colby's not going to get the uh, – you know, another rematch. You know, Kamaru's got other plans now. But um, how far do you think, you know, uh, he's up 2-0, right? He's beat him twice now. But we both agree, and a lot of people, you know, take out your bias. Colby Covington's probably the second best welterweight in this division. No clear, no, no doubt about it. And of course, we have uh, the wild card coming up the ranks quick. But um, what does this mean for Colby moving forward? And also, who do you think uh, gets the next crack at this uh, welterweight title? So yeah, that's that's what they got to really figure out now. And everything you said there is true. Like. It's just it's gonna be interesting how this all plays out because you can't do Covington and Usman three like right away, you know, because Usman's beat him twice now. <clears throat> but that is the best matchup in the whole division is those two guys fighting each other. They're, they're the they're the the two most evenly matched guys. Um, now that being said, you know the big the big elephant in the room, like you were saying, the the wild card. I was calling them the dark horse Chimeon. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of like what, how fast are they trying to put him in that mix? Because I've heard kind of rumblings that he could potentially fight Neil Magny or Michael Chiesa next, which Ooh. I think both fights are very interesting. But like very. it's one of those things like if he just smashes one of those guys, like you got to give him a top contender or a title shot next. Uh, I think he'd be like a terrible matchup for someone like Stephen Thompson, who's like primarily a stand-up fighter. Or even Vicente Luque, who's, you know, really well-rounded, really dangerous on the feet. But honestly, like, because I don't know, does Gilbert Burns have anything lined up at the moment? I know they're doing Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal. That's a big fight. Um, I don't know if It feels like if Leon wins that one, he definitely has a case, right? I mean, he already has a case, but like, really? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. He had a case before even beat Nate Diaz. Yeah. And then he, he won. But the problem with that win was that he lost the fifth round. That's all anyone talks about. So, like, but, yeah, I mean, if Edwards, if Leon Edwards wins, if he beats, especially if he beats Masvidal, like, convincingly, he has to right. be next for the title. And he's he's lost to Usman before, but it was before Usman was the champion. Um, Like, honestly... The fight that probably makes the most sense is Covington and Chimeyov. Oh, Be- God. Because, like, Covington is has proven he's the second best guy in the division. If Chimeyov can beat him, then he undeniably should get a title shot. And, and the way that the timing could hopefully work out is that, you know, maybe we get... Oh, and also, the other thing about this is Chimeyov could stay active. If he keeps winning the way he's winning, he could fight, like, every month if he wanted to. So, like, <laughs> True. maybe they do Chimeyov against Magni or Chiesa, like, soon. And if he wins that fight, then 
you know, they let Wonder Boy or they let uh, Masvidal and Edwards play out, and the winner of that fight's mm-hmm. Usman. And like maybe on the same show or around when that show happens, you do Chimeyov versus Covington. And if Chimeyov wins that, he gets the winner of uh, of Edwards and Usman. You could honestly argue if I'm if I'm Colby Covington right now, I may be actually saying give me Chimeyov because if if you if he beats Chimeyov, if he doesn't matter honestly if it's decision knockout it doesn't matter if he beats Shemayov right now then Colby Covington can look in the camera and say you know I beat the golden boy I beat the this this great on the way up like give me Marty one more time yeah for sure that's a mutually beneficial fight like for the winner for sure for that exact reason like what you just said then also on the flip side if Shemayov can beat the guy who right is like clearly the second best to Usman then it proves that he definitely deserves that shot. The other one that's obviously worth bringing up is Nate Diaz and Chimeyov, which Dana White seems to be all for. Um, the, well, and it's it's Nate's last fight on that uh, on that contract, <laughs> and he doesn't sound very excited to re-sign. So may, I'm thinking maybe that's why I think Dana may want to see the Chimeyov we've seen in there with with Nate. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what it all how it all plays out is like, or how it's all worked out is if Nate isn't going to resign, that's the kind of fight that the UFC is going to try to get him for because <clears throat> they have an opportunity to try to really like make uh, Jamal's name off Absolutely. of you know beating a superstar like that. Realistically, Nate should probably just like sit out until Connor's healed and then like just do Connor right. and Nate three and just make as much money as you can on your way out. But yep. um because there's also been rumblings of Vicente Luque versus Nate Diaz and, and Nate seems pretty down for that because like he respects Luque uh and what he's done. There's also the potential chance for Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz. They've teased that a little bit. But like, all of those other fights make a lot more sense than Nate versus Chimeyov. Chimeyov and Nate only make sense from the perspective of the UFC trying to get him, trying to put Chimeyov over yep. on his way out. Um, but oh, in all right. honesty, you said a superstar. Yeah, exactly. But in all honesty, I think, I think the goal for the Diaz brothers is to box the Paul brothers. Like, I really think that that's what they want to do. Oh, how much, I mean, you know more about that kind of side of it, the the Twitch side and all that. Like how, with that kind of audience that they the Pauls bring, I mean, how much money could the Diaz make off that? It's ridiculous. Way more than they're making in the UFC per fight right now. Like way more. Um, they would, I don't know for sure, but I mean, Ty, Tyron Woodley made like $2 million to box Jake. Damn. Like, and like Tyron Woodley would have had to fight probably like five times in the UFC to make that. And Tyron Woodley is not a Diaz. Like that's, you know, if he's making two, you got to think the Diaz are up definitely upwards more, you know, four or five, maybe more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and now part of this is also going to weigh, <clears throat> is going to, well, the thing is with like, with Jake, especially, cause you know, Jake's going to be fighting Tommy Fury next month. And it's a very winnable fight for Jake, but it's also a winnable fight for Fury. But it's one of these things where, like, whether Jake wins or loses, Nate still makes sense because, like, you can market it either way. Like, Jake beats this legitimate boxer, and now he's going to fight, you know, the best MMA boxer he's ever fought. Or Jake loses, and they're like, well, you're not quite ready yet for the, like, you know, 
the real pro boxers, but it makes sense for you to fight another MMA boxer like Nate Diaz. Like they can spin it either way for it to make sense. So, and then Nick, <clears throat> if I, if I'm Nick, especially based on how he looked against Robbie Lawler, I'd be begging to fight Logan Paul because it's like you, you fight a guy who isn't a fighter that you can beat and like, you can make a shit ton of money doing that. And like, not have to really risk much because it's pretty unlikely that Logan's going to really be able to hit him a whole lot. So like, you know, I just think at this point in their careers, because they're such big stars that are like, you know, that kind of rival the UFC brand itself, as far as like name value, like the Diaz brothers and the UFC, like a lot of people are going to know both of those brands. So like, (coughs) excuse me. So that's, that's like, that's the thing with like with Nate and the UFC I just don't think he has a whole lot of incentive to want to resign there because best case scenario, you fight Connor again, but we've already seen that twice. Um, but if you get out of there, you can go box these guys who aren't even real boxers and like make way, way, way more money. Like I, I think that's a no brainer to go do the, do the boxing. Yep. Yeah. Especially with, uh, with the way they are, man, that's, that's, that's easy money for them. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna move on to the uh, the co-main again. Usman. It sounds like welterweights. I mean, we 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 both agree. Mountaintops. Kamara Usman. Uh, wild cards. Shemayov. Colby's not in a great spot right now. But again, depending on uh, exactly who they square him up with next, uh, he he's got a case saying now, like just what you're saying. If I'm Colby Covington, I'm screaming from the rooftops that you know I'm still there in the fifth round, and this could have been a draw or could have been a. Uh, a win for the champ or the uh, challenger, excuse me. So uh, definitely all eyes in the welterweight division. Now I, I can't wait to hear uh, how you scored this fight. Co-main event, women's strawweight championship, uh, Thug Rose, Naman Yunez over getting the win over Jolly Wang. The judges went as follows split decision win for Thug Rose, 47, 48, 48, 47 and 49, 46 were the three judges. How did you score this uh, championship fight? Who did you think won at the final bell? So when I watched this live, <clears throat> I, 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 it was such a close fight that I think most of us in the chat live, I think most of us had Wiley Zhang by decision. I did too. But it was so close that like, and obviously it was close. I mean, one of the judges did give it to Zhang. I mean, two yep. two for Namines, one for Zhang. But, like, that's one of those things. It's so close that it, you can't dispute it. You know, it's like it, it's, a, it's a coin toss at that point. But it, but things probably worked out for the best because I'm not, I'm not someone who, like, firmly believes, like, to be the champ, you have to, like, stop the champion or finish the champion or, like, anything like that dramatic. But... I don't love the idea of like split decisions being the reason that a, a, <clears throat> that a, a title changes hands because it's like, cause it's so close, right? It's like, damn, you didn't really like you won, but you like, there's still enough reasonable uh, yeah. doubt that you're not uh. as, you know? Yeah. And so this is the same kind of thing where I was kind of relieved that Nami Yunus won because it was so close. It wasn't, right. it wasn't a big enough like margin for where, I was upset that Zhang didn't get the decision. And also if Zhang would have gotten the decision win, we'd be looking at a trilogy probably right away. And it just really puts a log jam in the division. 
I know you'll eventually ask, but like, for instance, I think that they should do Collar Esparza versus Nami Yunus because they've fought before and Nami Yunus, you know, is the champion now. And I think her versus Esparza, Esparza's worked her way back into a title shot. Yeah. So that feels like a great fight, right? Like right now. Yeah. Dana doesn't seem to be that high on the idea for some reason. I don't know why. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if maybe he's trying to like slide young J-Check back in there or something. Um, oh, shit. Which, you know, I'm never going to be against. I mean, Yanni on Jacek is such a savage that, like, I'm always down to watch her fight, even if it's just always title fights, even if she loses. But, like, you also have the opportunity to do Wale Zhang versus Yun Jacek, too, which was the best women's fight in history, in my opinion. Like, right. if you want to run that back, you have the option now. So that's what I would do personally. Like, I do Wale Zhang versus Yanni on Jacek, and I would do Nama Yunus versus Carla Esparza. But to answer your, your original question... I did think that Zhang, I, I, I'd have to rewatch the fight, but watching live, <clears throat> I do think that uh, that Zhang did get the better of her just a little bit more, but I'm not by any means upset with the decision for, for Rose. Yeah, same exact boat. I, I was rooting Rose. Uh, Thug Rose is one of my, my, just absolutely one of my favorite fighters. I love her heart. Uh, her, the her countdown, uh, the UFC countdown last week for it. I just loved kind of some of the the sayings and all that. That kind of like you know that their their camp and just I'm just a big fan. So I was happy to see to see her get the win. But I did as it finished. I remember I had that that feeling that we were going to hear and knew. Um, no, I'm with you on those matches too. Those are some really good fights. You know, I'm always down to see uh, Wally Zhang and um. And you want to throw down, but like you said, man, you want to one, one of the best to ever be in that division. Uh, happy for Thug Rose, happy uh, for the camp, man. Um, the Trevor Whitman camp, bro. Like they a very good night um, for that crew. We've already mentioned Kamaru. We've already mentioned Rose. Uh, how about the the fight of the night? Uh, one of the rounds of the year, maybe w- would be the fight of the year. Who knows? But uh, Justin Gagey, Michael Chandler, unanimous decision win. For Gagey, uh, it was 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27 uh, across the board there. Unanimous decision win for Gagey. Amazing fight, amazing first round. I mean, I just I was standing up watching this. Uh, again, met or exceeded the high expectations we had somehow. Yeah, exactly. That's <clears> – <throat> sorry, I got to keep clearing my throat. The uh, My thoughts exactly. Like, this was <coughs> – this was definitely the fight of the night. This is going to be up there for fight of the year. Um, it's just absolutely incredible fight. Like, like I was saying earlier, I thought that Gaethje should have gotten a 10-8 in the second round because he dropped right. Chandler yep. and he swarmed him on the ground. And, like, I thought that was it. Like, I was getting up close to my uh, my laptop to tweet out, like, the result. Like, I was, like, I thought it was a foregone conclusion at that point that, that Gaethje was finishing the fight with Chandler. Chandler is tough as hell and he's game and he's athletic and he's in incredible shape. And he's just one of those guys who he just brings it. Like, I mean, he was in Gaethje's face the whole time, even when Gaethje was landing and he was landing a lot on Gaethje. I mean, two two of the judges gave Chandler one of the rounds. I mean, this, this was a damn good fight. It was, it was at times very, very close. And you know, what a great addition to the UFC roster Michael Chandler was. It's a shame it took so damn long to get him over from Bellator. But, like, I mean, you're guaranteed. I mean, because here's the thing. Like, 
with Chandler, you know, now we've seen him lose to Oliveira. We've seen him lose to Gaethje. But when you look at the rest of that division, like, like he he could beat, like, all of these guys, potentially. Like, he's good enough that yes. on on a good night, like, he really, like, I'd take, I'd, like, him versus Poirier, like, that would be a, you know, I don't know if I, I might take Chandler in that even, maybe. I mean, I love Dustin Poirier. Like, you know, obviously they're doing Poirier and Oliveira next for the title. But, like, my, my point is, when what they'll probably do is now that Michael Chandler, well, actually, you know what? Maybe you do Michael Chandler and Islam Makachev. That would be sick. And that's God like, God damn. And if Makachev wins that, he gets a title shot kind of thing. Probably. Like, um, or even like Dariush or one of the, but the point is Michael Chandler, he's in that mix and he's going to be in that mix. Like he's going to keep fighting top guys. If they put him in there with someone more clo- close to like 15, like, uh, like Hafael Fiziev uh, or like Brad Riddell or like one of those guys. I think he smokes like those type of dudes. Um, Same. And which, but which maybe is what he should do next. You know, maybe you give him a, someone he can go in there and cause he already destroyed Dan Hooker in one round. Like, I don't know. But the point is they have a lot of options for Michael Chandler going forward. He's established himself as like one of the top stars, of the lightweight division and Justin Gaethje, it's just an animal like that animal. dude every single fight you're guaranteed a, an exciting you're you're guaranteed fireworks every single time he, he lives up to his own hype every single time and in my opinion he should get the winner of Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira for the title like yes he's never fought Oliveira before he lost to Poirier but their fight was fucking awesome like I they I'm totally down for them running that back um, and Poirier got the win, but Gaethje was looking really good early. So, yes. Um, so yeah, this, this was great all the way around. Awesome fight. It's going to set up awesome fights coming out of that. And like I said, I, I think this, this firmly established Justin Gaethje as the guy, I mean, cause his only title fight was a loss to Habib and everyone loses to Habib. So like, you can't was, even yeah. like hold it <laughs> against him. Yeah. So yeah, th- this, this fight fucking ruled. It, it, it was I, I thought uh, you summed it up great, man, because it nobody lost this fight uh, in a weird way, even though Justin Gage, he comes out pretty much the unanimous number one contender, at least, you know, uh, for most people's eyes out of that fight. Michael Chandler gained so much out of this because even, you know, real, you know, some some diehard fight fans like us, we remember those wars he had with Alvarez. Um, I mean, this guy has shown how tough he is. But to take those uppercuts from Justin Gagey like he was, and he's standing there saying, give me more. I mean, it's just, it's it's the violent beauty of this sport. Uh, it's the hug from Gagey afterwards. It's just pure respect. So, again, in a weird way, even though Justin Gagey, again, probably the number one contender should be, uh, Michael Chandler maybe gained even more than that out of this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Like, his stock just continues to rise, whether he's winning or losing. So if he's the kind of guy, like you can put him, he could like co-main event, like any pay-per-view going forward, or he can main event any fight night kind of thing. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's in a great position, even though he, he's, even though he's lost two of his three UFC fights, it's like he smoked Dan Hooker, but everyone saw it. Cause it was on the, it was right before, um, uh, uh, Connor versus Connor, Poirier. Yep. yep. 
Uh, so Eric, the whole world saw that, and then like he dropped Charles Oliveira in their title fight. He did, like, you know, he, he came <laughs> he came close there for a second. There, it looked like that was going to go a different way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And everyone knows how. I mean, I'm a huge Charles Oliveira fan, but I got to give props where they're due. Like Michael Chandler had him in trouble early in their fight, and uh, and then this fight with Yaichi, which was just a fucking war. So. You can't do you can do no wrong with this guy right now, really. Like, <laughs> I mean, outside of like giving him a title fight, which would just make no sense, obviously. He's like, that's Gaethje's spot now. But like, Chandler against it's 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 wild. Like, outside of the champion, Chandler against anyone else in the division makes sense. Wow. Okay. I mean, and like you're saying, a year ago or two years, like the thought of will Michael Chandler ever get to the the pastures, get to those green pastures, and here he is. Like we're saying, I mean, you know, top three, top five in the in the entire just killer's row of division. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And like I said, like <clears throat> if it was up to me, Michael Chandler's next fight would be Islam Makachev. Oh, I, that's huge. And but they then they do they got to figure out what to do with Benil Daryush also. Maybe he yeah. fights Dos Anjos next or something because Dos Anjos was supposed to fight recently. But had to pull out. They got to figure out something for Darius because he's he's like right there too. But Makachev has looked so damn impressive. Like in him and Chandler, that'd be real interesting because like Chandler's such a good wrestler, and Makachev is just out grappling everybody. And like if Chandler, like it'd be interesting to see if Chandler could stop Makachev because Makachev is basically, I mean, Habib's one of his cornermen. I mean, he's basically the next Habib, now that Habib is out of the picture, like, it's Makachev's time, like, in their camp to be the next Habib, basically. So, yep. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good stuff to look forward to there in lightweight. Yeah, great fight to open the card. Again, Trevor Whitman camp, 3-0 and on this night, and uh, it couldn't uh, couldn't be happier out there in Colorado. So, uh, shout out that crew. Uh, the, the worst spot on this whole card was going to be the fight after Gagey and Chandler, and uh, and that ended up going to the featherweight division. Shane Burgos with a unanimous decision win over Billy Quarantillo. It was 29-28 across the board. Very close fight. Very good fight. It just, you know, it just followed one of the fights, uh, the fights of the year and one of the best fights we've seen in a few years. Yeah, it's so unfortunate for those guys because it was it was a great <laughs> fight. It's just, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, it was a really really good fight. Like that would have been. That would probably been fight of the night <laughs> if, if uh, I mean, maybe maybe Usmani coming. I mean, there was some really really good fights on this show, but um, <laughs> yeah, if this would have, especially because you know the only reason that Gaethje and Chandler opened the show was because, as you were mentioning, Trevor Whitman. Yeah, it was just easier <clears throat> for him to uh, for because he had to corner. Uh, yeah, know, he had to corner three night. in a row. Then exactly. So they did him a favor and they did the team the favor. But had this had Gaethje and Chandler been before Rose and Zhang, like if Burgos versus Quarantillo opened the show, like people would have been losing their minds. So um, just unlucky, just just I mean, honestly, just product of circumstance. But the crowd did get yeah. into it towards the end. Like I think they started to realize like what they were seeing. Like, they were kind of coming down finally from, like, the Gaethje-Chandler fight and, like, realized in front of their eyes, like, wait a second, what's what's been going on in front of us, like, the last, <laughs> last 10 minutes? Like, this this fight's pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, Shane Burgos, he's just, the, he's just the better fighter. Like, 
Cornchia is very, very good, and this was a competitive fight. Burgos is just a little bit better. Right, number 14 in the division. Um, a guy who's going to, you know, I talk about it all the time. The top 15 of featherweights, my favorite top 15 in the sport right now. And Burgos is in that mix with, like, some really, really, really damn good fighters. And Cornchia is going to be there, too. Like, he's Cornchia is literally one quality went away from also being in the top 15, possibly even the top 10. So, I mean, this is just a really even match between two guys who who on paper match up really evenly. And then in the, in the octagon, it was a, it was a really close fight. So, um, you know, props to Burgos. He just, like I said, I, he's just a little bit better of a fighter. That's really all it comes down to. Yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, as good as it gets, as close as it gets, but Burgos is a little bit better. Clearly, uh, clearly coming off that, that loss, he had a great win here. Um, hopefully one of those fights that, uh, people will go back to. And then obviously into the year talk, because it was any other night, man. If that's the opener, bro, we're we're fired up. Um, just a, a real casualty of this card. But that's what happens when you've got, you know, so much. We keep saying this was just so much exciting, so many great fights, so many great talents on this whole card. So uh, it's kind of the, the give and take. You're you're on. You know, a lot of eyes were on you. So uh, in the long run, I think that's going to help. But it just uh, for the live audience, man, that's a lot out of the gate. Um, yeah, big featherweight fight there. In the middle of all this uh, this insanity in this main card was a huge, huge finish for Marlon Vera. A great win, uh, a great win for Vera, no doubt about it. Over Frankie had your third round. That you got that that front kick, uh, shades of Silva, um, Silver and Vitor Belfort. Um, huge win for Mar- Marlon Vera. Uh, second, you know, second time this year Frankie gets finished. Um, uh, what did you think coming out of this fight now with, with Marlon Vera winning three of his last four and his only loss being a decision, uh, loss to Jose Aldo? I mean, he's in a great position in the division right now. Um, you know, if he would have beat Jose Aldo, he'd be sitting real pretty right now. Of course, he's the only one to beat Sugar Sean O'Malley. Although if you ask Sean O'Malley, uh, if you ask Sean O'Malley, it never happened. Uh, but fiction. He's, he's, he's so married to the idea of fiction, exactly. He's so married to the idea of, of being undefeated. He just can't accept it. But Marlon Vera, yeah, just just the younger, more game fighter at this point. Like, Frankie Edgar, absolute legend. Like, and a guy who still has plenty to contribute to the sport, probably. He just... At a, he's just at a point in his career where he just can't take a shot like he used to be able to. Um, you know, in those wars with Gray Maynard and, and BJ Penn and all these guys he yes. fought, you know, it just gotten to a point, especially as I believe Brian, I'm going to double check this. I think Brian Ortega was the first guy to ever stop him. And let's see. Uh, I think that's right. Is it? Yeah. Yep. Ortega. Yep. I'm looking at his record right now. Ortega was the only one to, he was the first one to stop him. And it was that brutal uppercut. And Gross. I think I think between that uppercut and like the all the damage he had accumulated throughout his career, his chin has just gone a little bit since. And like you know, Korean Zombie knocked him out in yep. the first round, yep. and Corey Sandhagen knocked him out with that knee. And it's just it's one of those things where like as a fan, I kind of it's like I, I I'd be totally fine with Edgar like walking away now. I mean UFC Hall of Famer, like without a doubt. I mean one of the best 
lighter weight fighters ever. I mean, a guy who was a lightweight champion by, and he wasn't cutting any weight. Like he was actually 155 pounds and he was fighting guys like Gray Maynard who were probably close to like 170, 180 when like they yeah. actually fought each other and stuff. Like, but he's also like, it's not like he went in there and just got his ass kicked completely by Marlon Vera. I mean, Vera was the better fighter. He was faster he landed better. And then that front kick knockout was just nasty. Um, I saw some slow-mo shots and like some pictures of that too, where Edgar, like you can't even, you can't even recognize that it's Frankie Edgar's face. Oh, He's so yeah, I saw that. And I did. I was like, I legit thought it was like Photoshopped or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a totally different person. Um, so huge shout out to Marlon Vera. He looked awesome in this fight. And Edgar's just, he's just in this point of his career where it's like, he probably should consider hanging him up because like he, he basically he's, he's getting knocked out now where it's like, it's becoming a regular thing. It wasn't just like a, like a one-time thing where like Ortega did it and like he bounced back and he's just, you know, his chin is, is solid. He's, he's getting knocked out like often now. And, but he's also good enough to beat like the lower ranked guys, I think. Like I think if he fought like a, a a number fifteen or a number a number twenty or whatever, like he'd still be competitive. He still beat a lot of guys. But the flip side of it is you can't take a punch like you used to be able to. And this starts to get kind of uncomfortable and kind of dangerous almost. But but it's Frankie Edgar we're talking about. This is a guy that I thought was down and out against Gray Maynard multiple times, came oh, back yep. and you know so I love Frankie Edgar. He's one of my favorite fighters ever. But Marlon Vera just he's the he's the new breed. He's the next generation of guys. And uh, this was just a really bad time for Marlon Vera to be running into Frankie Edgar if you're Frankie Edgar. So, um, you know, and then coming off of this, because now if you look at the rankings, they have uh, Marlon Vera ranked at number 11, Frankie Edgar ranked at number 12, which are fair rankings for both guys. And the Bantamweight top 10 is, I mean, the whole top 15 for Bantamweight is, is ultra stacked. So like Vera's in a position now where, I mean, maybe he fights like, uh, I mean, he's already fought Jose Aldo. That'd be a good rematch though. Um, I mean, maybe he fights like Corey Sandhagen. I was going to say that Aldo rematch kind of stood out to me as well right now, looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I like that idea. I, you know, I'd say Garbrandt, but he's he's moving to flyweight. Um, I mean, maybe you run back him and Sean O'Malley, too. Like, I mean, if Ooh. Sean, you know, because Sean's got another fight this week or uh, this next paper. Is it the pay-per-view? Uh, I know he's got another fight coming up. Um, and, I mean, he won't shut up about how Marlon Vera didn't beat him. Like, maybe you give him another shot at Vera. And if Vera, like, smokes him, then it's like... You know, you kind of know where both guys stand, but I don't know. Bavera's in a good spot. Like he's he's going to get a big fight coming off of this, and uh, we'll see what happens with Edgar going forward. I mean, maybe maybe now's the time to finally do like Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz or something like that. Like you know, two guys that are kind of in the same point of their career. Like I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't really need to see Frankie Edgar fighting like young, hungry up and comers. Like I want to see him fighting more like other guys, kind of at the same point of their career he is. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolute legend, Frankie Edgar, no doubt about it. Everyone should go watch those fights with Gray Maynard this week. If you haven't seen him in a while, I actually just rewatched the draw 
uh, fight a couple weeks ago. So um, definitely check those out, man. Absolute legend. Shout out again one more time for Mon Vera, the winner. And not only does he get that awesome win, uh, that little feather in the cap, little big feather in the cap of, of finishing Frankie, uh, $50,000 bonus as well to Marlon Vera. He was one of our four performance of the nights, the fight of the night, where you mentioned, of course, Gagey Chandler, 50K to both those guys, along with Marlon Vera, the performance of the night winner. We had Alex Pereira, Bobby Green, Chris Barnett, um, all with sensational finishes on the prelim and early prelim. Uh, what did you feel? Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about this fight, and then we're going to, you know, Steven's going to kind of hit the high spots on the way out, and we'll, we will be back next week. Uh, talk about Holloway Rodriguez, which will predict that uh, right out the door. But uh, the Bobby Green ally Quinta fight, man, what did you think when that shit just was done in the first round? Dude, I mean, so I'm a huge Bobby Green fan. Um, you know, he's a guy, for people who don't know, look into his life story. I mean, like, he's lost, like, all of his family members. Like, yeah. his brother was murdered in, like, a gang dispute, even though I think if I remember correctly, his brother like was affiliated with a gang and then like had gotten out. But then like because of kind of like his previous ties to it, like was targeted kind of thing. Like he like it seemed like his brother had like had turned it around. But because of like the past, like it caught up to him and, and stuff. And so Bobby Green's had to deal with like literally like family members getting murdered and like dying young and all this stuff. He's had to overcome so much. And Ally Aquinta is a dude. I, I, he hadn't fought in like two years. I'd have to look at his record real quick, but it was a lot. He hadn't. He hadn't. Yeah, it was over nineteen. It says twenty nineteen. Yep. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> you know, and Aquinta is a very good fighter, but he's been inactive. And Bobby Green's been the opposite. He's been super active. Like he fought like four times or something in twenty twenty. Um, let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, he fought four times in twenty twenty. And he's fought twice in 2021. Um, I mean, in one of his fights was December or sorry, November of 19, which is like pretty damn close to 2020. He, he, he within a calendar year, he had fought five times. We'll put it that way. Um, and he's I mean, he's just he's just game and he's dangerous. He's just and he's getting better. And he's I think he's still only like 35. Also, let me pull. He's 35. So like. I mean, and I got like I keep closing his page. Let me open it again. He is now he's twenty eight, twelve and one. He debuted in two thousand eight, but like he's just now I feel like really hitting his prime, which is kind of wild. But thirty five, like I, I think he's got a lot, a lot to contribute. And if you can keep taking out guys like Ally Quenta the way that he's doing it. He can get back in that mix with like some of the top guys in the division. Like Ally Quenta, let me see if he was ranked going into this fight or not. Um, he was not ranked at lightweight, but I, I think a lot of that had to do with being inactive for two years because he definitely wasn't the top 15 when he fought Dan Hooker. So, I mean, awesome performance from Bobby Green. Like, I Quenta couldn't get anything going, and Green just, just smoked him. And Gave a good speech afterwards, and as he was getting booed going into the fight because Iaquinta's from New York, so the hometown crowd was behind Iaquinta. But by the end of it, they were cheering for Bobby Green, like you know, during during his post fight interview and stuff. So like, 
Um, I'm very impressed by Bobby Green as a human being. I'm very impressed with where he's at in his career. And like I said, I, I legitimately think he's hitting his prime right now and he keeps getting better. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what's next for him. And I have no idea what's next for Iaquenta. Like if he wants to, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't think he needs to like retire or anything like that, but like he needs to fight a guy who's like, he needs like a gimme fight. Like I, like I can, they need to do like the CM Punk treatment and find somebody who like doesn't train that much and just be like, all right, Iaquenta, we got to get your, uh, we got to get your confidence back up. Cause now he's lost his last three in a row. Like, in all, you know, Donald Cerrone, Dan Hooker, and Bobby Green, great fighters, but, like, great fighters. they got to they gotta get him a, a confidence win, I feel like, uh, next. But Bobby Green's in a, in a great position. Very, very happy for Bobby Green. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Uh, the only other fight, I know you were going to bring him up, but the only other thing I wanted to, uh, the fighter to shout out uh, on this card before we, we predict the main event for Saturday, uh, big-time shout-out to Chris Barnett, that spinning <laughs> wheel kick, uh, the second round finish on the early prelims over Gian Valenti, uh, Bobby Green and Barnett, both along with Alex Pereira, uh, got those 50K bonuses. Man, I I absolutely love Chris Barnett's energy. There's just, there's nobody, I don't think, no one's as happy and excited to be a fighter and be in that world than uh, than Chris Barnett, man. I love that energy. Yeah, one, he's very relatable to a lot of people because, you know, he's not in shape. He's you know what I mean? He's like, the, I think that the, the common folk, like the everyman kind of like, it, the, you know, it could be exactly right. Exactly. Like Dusty Rhodes, right? Like it's like the, the common man, the guy who looks like you or like your dad does or whatever. It doesn't look like an athlete, but then he goes in there and just <clears throat> does, just <laughs> does incredibly entertaining stuff. I mean, that spinning heel kick was nasty. I feel kind of bad for John Vellante because this this was his retirement fight and he's from New York and this was like for him this was going to be like his big send off, but Barnett totally ruined that. I mean, he that that kick was nasty. He straight up donkey conned him on the ground afterwards. Like took took his back and was just landing at will, just just punches to the side of the head, and then did the uh, the front flip. Uh, the front flip uh, butt buster onto the ground after he won. So uh, and he got the, and he got the the whole world talking about him. Like he might have been trending he on did. Twitter even. I mean, like everyone was Chris Barnett, Chris Barnett. So I mean, yeah, that was that was very entertaining. Like I don't think that Barnett can hang with the top guys in the division. Like I I don't really think that there's right. much interest in seeing him fight like a uh, like a uh, you know. Obviously, it'd be extreme to say like an Nganu or like a Miocek or Gone or something like that. But even a guy like a Walt Harris or something like that's a real, I don't know. But but if, if you can keep putting Chris Barnett out there against dudes who are like unranked, that he can do this kind of stuff against, like that's entertaining as hell. So, uh, yeah, that that was that was a lot of fun to watch from Chris Barnett. Yeah, great stuff, man. Um Obviously, you know, with a Pereira knockout, we mentioned uh, Chris Curtis got a knockout over Phil Hawes. And then um, Imamov defeated Edmund Shabazian, TKO, elbows in the second round. And Ian Gary, the big story, right? Kind of well, one of the bigger stories coming in on the prelim card was, you know, all this buzz about Ian Gary uh, in there with Jordan Williams. It, you know, Jordan was doing some things well, kind of pieced up on Gary. And then just like that, it was over, man. Uh, Really great stuff, really top to bottom in these fights. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, 
Yeah, I'll just highlight a few things real quick. Um, and Ian Gary, like, I remember I, I heard about him a little while back. Like, he's kind of been the next guy up for Ireland for, like, a while, or a minute at least. I, I, I'd i been hearing that name for a little bit. And, like, he's a good-looking dude, he's very marketable guy. Like, and if he can keep putting people out like he did Jordan Williams, this guy could be a really big star in the UFC. So everyone should definitely keep their eyes out for Ian Gary. Really impressive. Um, the uh, Imavov, now you got me all screwed up. Him over uh, Edwin Shabazian, that's a, a big win. I mean, because Shabazian just a few fights ago was looking like a, a potential title contender and stuff, like a real top prospect. And he's kind of fallen off. Uh, Chris Curtis knocking out Phil Hawes, that was huge too because Hawes is getting a lot of buzz. And Curtis... I I think this was Curtis's UFC debut. Um, Let me double check that real quick. But I knew he had some hype coming into it. Let's see here. Um, Yeah, so that was his UFC debut. But he was on a one, two, three, four, five fight winning streak coming into it. Um, So, you know, you got yourself a new prospect there at the in the middleweight division with Chris Curtis, because I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people felt like this was a, an opportunity for Phil Hawes to like get a big knockout on a big show. And Chris Curtis totally stole all that from him. So big win for Chris Curtis. Alex Pereira, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he's he's like a super legitimate kickboxer, has a ton of knockout power, knocked out Israel and Asanya in kickboxing. That's like his big claim to fame. And this I'll just say this really quickly. I love Joe Rogan. I get he's polarizing. Me and Moe's talked a lot about him, actually, before we got going today, uh, recording. Um, regardless of what you feel, how you feel about, you know, his uh, the ivermectin and him as a person and his podcast and all this other stuff. Um, I really I, I think he's the best MMA commentator of all time. But it's very clear that he is much more disconnected from the sport now than he used to be. Because yeah. he's he's super biased on commentary in some of these fights. Like this Alex Pereira fight, all he was doing was talking about Pereira kickboxing, Pereira versus Adesanya, Pereira this, Pereira that. Every time that his opponent landed something, they just didn't even talk about it. They were just like, oh, Pereira didn't get out of the way quick enough. or Pereira. That. But the first round, his opponent, which I'm going to butcher his name, uh, because the, the pronunciation is not how it's spelled, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'll just call him Andres because that's um, that's I'll sound less stupid, but yeah, <laughs> you know Andres took him down in the first round. Andres won the first round, like and yep. all the talk was like with Pereira, like Pereira, Pereira, Pereira. I was like they're not even talking about this other dude who's like clearly won the first round. Now, granted, the second round comes around, Pereira just starches him. Just nails him with a flying knee, falls up with punches, just super, super clean knockout. So the hype was real and it was warranted. I just wish that because it isn't just this fight. It happens in quite a few fights now where like Rogan in D.C. It doesn't happen so much with John Anik, to be fair. Like John Anik is usually pretty down the middle. But I've noticed recently that DC and Rogan both seem to have like their biases and their preferences towards certain fighters and they don't give enough credit to the opponents that they just it's clear they just don't know as much about the opponent so they just focus on the person they know about but that all being said 
Pereira Ooh. did look really impressive in that second round. Like if he hits anyone with a knee like that, I don't know if anyone can take that. So you have yourself a, a very a shiny new toy at middleweight with the big, right. the obvious big thing being there. Like Adesanya keeps knocking off contenders. He keeps having to do rematches. Um, at a certain point, they're going to need fresh matchups for Adesanya if he stays in the division. And Pereira could jump the line a lot faster than others because of his really successful kickboxing career and because of the fact that he has knocked out Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, that, like, Pereira could win, you know, he's probably only, like, two or three, like, legitimate wins, like, against, like, top names. If he if he goes in there, if if Pereira's next fight was against someone like a, uh, like a Kevin Holland, for instance, like, if he went in there and, like, knocked out Kevin Holland and then went out there and, like, knocked out Darren Till or something, you, you're, we'll be talking about him as, like, the next guy up for Adesanya because Adesanya's already beaten all these other guys. So, um there's a ton of upside to Pereira, but there's a lot of hype he needs to live up to as well. Like he's coming in with a big magnifying glass and a big spotlight on him. So it can go really good or really bad. But, you know, if he, if he fights a guy with good wrestling, he's in a lot of trouble though. Cause yep. Andres completely dominated him in the grappling in the first round. But if he gets matched up with a striker, like I said, like a Darren Till type fighter, um, that would be a good way to see where he's at. And if he can beat one of those guys, he's going to get a lot of buzz and, and he's going to jump the line really quickly. So um, big win for, for Alex Pereira. And he's, like I said, a shiny, shiny new toy at middleweight. Shiny, <clears throat> shiny new toy at middleweight. That, that'll that get all us, all this UFC 268 talk out of the way. Great pay-per-view. Uh, absolutely love those uh, those fights at Madison Square Garden. Uh, um, shout out all of your performance of the night winners, your bonus awards, and of course, uh, your your still and still champions, Kamaru Usman, Thug Rose. This Saturday, we've got ourselves a big old time main event, a fight we've really wanted for a long time. Uh, of course, November thirteenth, this Saturday, I believe. Yeah, it's in the it's at the Apex. Um, it's going to be on ESPN Plus. Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. You've also got. Ben Rothwell on this card. You got Song Yudong on this card. You've got some really exciting matchups, but uh, we're just going to hit the uh, the main event here. Featherweight scrap. How are you feeling, man? We're, we think we're, we're finally going to get it. Holloway Rodriguez just a couple of days away. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for this. <clears throat> this is an awesome fight. These are two of the best featherweights in the world. This should be a number one contender fight. Um, even though Holloway's already fought Volkanovski twice, both of those will especially their second fight was so close. And a lot of people thought Holloway won to the point where like you can run a trilogy of Holloway and Volkanovsky. And I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. And then on the flip side, Yair Rodriguez, if he beats Max Holloway, he's, he's beat the second best guy in the division. Like, and that's, and he's done enough. Uh, I mean, I talk about it all the time, but I'm a huge Korean zombie fan. And the way that he knocked him out with one second left with that crazy, up elbow thing that he did like that like reverse overhead elbow thing that I'd never seen before like Yair is a special talent uh, but so is Max I mean this is this is an incredible fight these are two of the legit legitimately two of the best three guys in the in the division right now um with Volkanovski being the third of course so I love this matchup we were talking before we were recording um 
that the odds are it's interesting for anyone betting out there. This is this is not financial advice. This is not gambling advice. But I'm just going to throw it out there like Holloway was what minus 650 and Yair was like plus 4 or 450 or something when we looked. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was uh I believe it was plus 600 or a little more 640 and then yeah, or excuse me, minus 640 and then plus yeah, 450 I think. Yeah. Which is pretty wild for those of you who bet out there because Yair, like, I think this is a much closer fight. Like this is a fight that like, this is a tough one for me to call as far as a prediction, like based off of experience and all that stuff, like I got to go max Holloway, but I, I, I think the odds should be a lot closer than, than what we just said. Like, I think this is, this is damn near a coin flip, honestly, because like Yair is so dangerous and he's young and he and, and he's like he's fighting for a title shot. And Max is fighting to get another title shot against a guy that he's had two damn good fights with and very close fights as well. So like there's a lot on the line for both guys. And Yair, let me see how old Yair is. He's missed a lot of time, but he's still only 29 years old. And Max Holloway probably younger than I think. Max Holloway's only 29. Oh my God, I thought he was going to be like 32. Max Holloway's only 29 still. Holy hell. Um, yeah, these are two guys that are in their prime right now. Two of the best in the world fighting for an opportunity at the title shot. So doesn't get much better than this. This is a, an incredible main event. But my official prediction, I got to go Max Holloway. What about you? Same. I, I want to pick Yair. Uh, I, 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 something there tells me, like you're saying, the Vegas, it's one of those, do they know something we don't know kind of things? These odds, I, I think it's a lot closer, but uh, I just, it's one of those, uh, one of those names I just, I can't, I can't pick against Max Holloway, bro. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. I think we're going to get a lot of leather thrown. Without a doubt, one uh, one that people are going to be talking about afterwards. But uh, I, I gotta go, Max Holloway. It's just how do you pick against him? Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's my exact line of thinking. It's like you went toe to toe with the champ twice. You arguably beat him the second time. You know, you you beat everyone else in the division. Like, I mean, probably. I mean, depending on how you look at it, he, I mean, he's definitely one hundred percent in the conversation for best featherweight of all time, if not if not being the best featherweight of all time. Being, like, yeah, if not there already. Yeah, like he's, it's either him, it depends on how you look at it. It's like, a lot of people are going to say Jose Aldo, but like Max Holloway beat Aldo twice. Um, but then Volkanovski beat Holloway twice. So like, is it Volkanovski or has he not done quite enough yet? Um, and then you, of course you have Conor McGregor, who he just wasn't in the division very long, but when he was, he was undefeated and knocked out Jose Aldo in 10 seconds. So like, it's hard, it depends on how you look at it, but like, I'd probably say Max Holloway is probably the best of all time, like as of the, as yep. of this moment. But the other people, you you have you have cases for the others as well for sure. Um, and then I'll just throw this out there just really quickly: a fight that I think is going to be really good that's going to fly totally under the radar on this show. Go on. I think will be Miguel Baez versus Chaos Williams. That fight will be. Oh, yeah. That fight will be nuts, and that's on the prelims. So. Um, there's, there's a lot of really good fights on this show, not like super heavy name value. Although you do have, you know, your Ben Rothwell's and, you know, Felicia Spencer's and that kind of stuff. But like, 
just throwing that out there for all you hardcore fight fans. I, I think Miguel Baeza versus Chaos Williams is going to be one of the best fights on the show. Yeah, I can't wait. It's been a great, uh, great year of fights. Couple months left. We still got some big ones circled. Then one, uh, one absolutely circled, highlighted star next to it. Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez. This Saturday, uh, prelims and main card all on ESPN Plus. Definitely check all that out. Uh, and uh, it's another week, man. That we 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 got to talk some MMA. Um, can't wait to be back next week. Of course, we're gonna recap everything that went down with Max and Yair and this card. Uh, but yeah, man, just happy to be back. Uh, excited. No. Last week's schedule was kind of crazy. Just want to say on the way out, very happy for Glover Teixeira. Was very fired up when that finish happened. Uh, can't I just I can't say enough how 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 happy I am uh, for Glover. So uh, yeah, b- back at it, baby. Happy to be back. KOBK. There you go. Um, throw out some some sponsor stuff real quick. Make sure everyone, if you're listening to this, check out Music City Toys and Collectibles. They have awesome stuff. They're nice people. They give you fair business. They're at 101 West Main Street in Watertown, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. Um, autographs, magazines, DVDs, action figures, anything you can think of for pro wrestling. And they do live sales on their uh, Facebook page as well. So support them because they support us. Check them out. Follow them on social media at Music City Toys. And check out their new website, musiccitytoys.biz. we got a little Fight Talk podcast uh, spot in their website, too, that y'all can check out. Also, shout out to my brother, Brian Jensen. Check him out on Instagram. Give him a follow at BoxingATL, B-O-X-I-N-G-A-T-L. He can help you with a wide variety of things from getting in better shape through boxing and kickboxing and stuff all the way to competing at an amateur or pro level. Uh, If you have any kind of neurological issue, Brian is completely certified for all that stuff, too. You got Parkinson's, MS, dystonia, anything like that. He's completely certified to help you out with those kind of things, too. So he can help you with a wide, very wide variety of things, even if you want to just lose some weight. Like he can help you with this stuff. If you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area, he can meet you in person. If he's if you're anywhere else in the world, he can help you online. Just hit him up on Instagram at Boxing ATL. Set something up. Get a knockout workout without getting knocked out. Hit up Brian Jensen right now. And. Last but never least, shout out to WrestleRumble.com. If you're a fan of professional wrestling, we have some big contests coming up. We have AW Full Gear this weekend. There's going to be $1,200 on the line. First place is getting $1,000. Second and third both get $100 each. And that's going to be the same for the Survivor Series Pick'em Contest for the WWE that's coming up later this month. So stay up to date with all their contests and join in on the fun at WrestleRumble.com. Also follow them on social media to stay up to date with all their contests and giveaways at Russell Rumble. You can follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore, and you can use our promo code Fight Talk on independentwrestling.tv or IWTV.live. Same same way to get to the same place. Two different ways to get to the same place. Um, just go to IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. Go to the promo code spot and type in Fight Talk, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, all is one word, no spaces, and uh, yeah, enjoy some professional wrestling. They have like they have like six thousand shows from like two hundred and seventy promotions. They I guarantee you there's something on there that you'll enjoy for and for $9.99 a month. It's the best value you can get for your, for your money for a wrestling fan, in my opinion. Um, also, as Mo's mentioned, he said, KOBK, keep a look after that show. We'll be promoting that more as it leads up to it. They got a KOBK sold out on December the 18th. So, so make sure you're supporting Mo's and everyone involved in that show. And, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much everything I got this week. Check out live rounds tonight if you're listening to this on Tuesday. If not, check out the replay. 
youtube.com slash rvdtito for life. That's the number four rvdtito for life. Anything left from you, Moses, before we sign off? No, man. Thank you. Thank everybody that supported Sold Out December 18th. If you're going to be in the Chattanooga area, please come and check us out. First row, very nearly sold out. Um, but absolutely, uh, at KOBK Sold Out, I believe, is the the Twitter thing. Uh, I'm at Mo's KOBK. And, uh, I mean, I think, can't thank you enough uh, for the support, bro. Um, can't wait. December 18th. Hell, yeah. Well, there you go. For Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, I'm Steven Jensen. We'll be back next week. Talk to some more mixed martial arts.